Who's ready to rock today, Fire Nation? JLD here, and welcome to episode 1962 of EO Fire, where I chat with entrepreneurs on fire seven days a week. And it's time, Fire Nation, to accomplish your number one goal in 100 days. So visit thefreedomjournal.com and make it happen. Now let's chat with today's featured guest, Benjamin P. Hardy. Benjamin, are you prepared to ignite? Oh yeah, baby. Yes. Benjamin is a top writer on Medium.com. Since late 2015, he's gained over 300,000 email subscribers in two and a half years. And his first book, Willpower Doesn't Work, comes out March 6, 2018. Benjamin, take a minute, fill in some gaps from that intro and give us just a little glimpse of your personal life. All right. So uh, yeah, I've been writing on Medium for the last three, almost three years, luckily been the number one writer and uh, learned how to really craft viral articles and then how to optimize and get lots of subscribers. And I've been able to share those on lots of platforms now, uh, I guess, or to lots of audiences. It's been amazing. So happy to dig into that. Uh, I've been studying psychology. I'm almost done with my doctorate. And so that's why I decided to write the book, Willpower Doesn't Work, is because I think a lot of people especially in Western culture, have this totally mixed up. They think it's all about willpower, grit, uh, self-determination, all these things, and really it's not about those things. And uh, yeah, man, just on the personal side, and a lot of the reasons I wrote these books is, or this book is because I've been a foster parent of three kids for over three years now. And I've watched as, you know, you take you take three kids who have all sorts of potential and you stick them in a totally different environment and they become different people. And uh, I obviously, my wife and I became different people as well. So yeah, that's just a little bit of a recap. Well, I do want to hone in on that point you just made because I think that is fascinating. But first, Fire Nation, if you do recognize Benjamin's voice, that's because he was on episode 1658, which to me feels like yesterday, Benjamin, but it was over 300 episodes ago that you rocked the mic. So Fire Nation, if you want to hear Benjamin's story, you know, we talk about his worst moment, his aha moment. We talk about what was firing him up 300 episodes ago. And of course, he crushes <laughs> the lightning round, which is a blast. All you need to go is uh, head over to eofire.com, type Benjamin in the search bar. That episode, as well as this episode, will pop right up. And you can just kind of maybe go back to back because they're going to be two great episodes for sure. And let's talk about that, Benjamin, because, you know, your book, Willpower Doesn't Work, is live. You know, as we're speaking, this this uh, this book is, is out there, it's available. And how did becoming a foster parent kind of help you on the trajectory to where now you are this published author and you've become this very successful medium writer with over 300,000 email subscribers? And of course, a course creator as well, which we can talk about too. But how did becoming a foster parent change all of this? There's this idea that uh, is said by, uh, you know, Uncle Ben in Spider-Man. He says, with great power comes great responsibility. And I actually think it's the reverse of that. I think a lot of the things in Western culture are actually almost opposite to the (laughs) truth. So like, it's actually great responsibility that creates great power. And it was like when my wife and I became foster parents, all of a sudden I felt this huge weight of responsibility and it kind of like, it, it forced me. It, it's what I call a forcing function or um, like Charles Darwin calls it selective pressure. Like it, it's, it's having some form of constraint or responsibility that forces you to act in a different way. And for years before I became a foster parent, I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to do all those things. Um, but it needed to be, you know, I needed some 
form of external pressure to like actually force it to happen. Uh, and then obviously over the last three years, being a foster parent, I've just watched as these kids' lives have totally changed. I've watched as me and my wife have totally had to change and become different, better people. And uh, that led to a lot of the insights uh, into the book I wrote. Well, when you say opposite of the truth, um, you know, something I'll throw in here, like Western medicine is usually an example of opposite of the truth and opposite of, of what's right. So I definitely agree with you on that myself. And I would love to know what's wrong with self-help today, because this is a topic you, you go into a lot with your different articles and something, of course, you touch upon within your book. But what's wrong with self-help today? What's, what's the opposite of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll give you a couple of the opposites and then I'll dig into uh, kind of what willpower doesn't work is all about. So some more of the opposites, like a lot of people believe it's confidence that creates success when in, when like all the research actually says it's success that creates confidence. So it's like if you behave in a certain way over a period of time, you'll become confident. Uh, another thing. So I don't know if you've ever read Cal Newport's book. He read, wrote a book called So Good They Can't Ignore You. Yes. And, uh, you know, one of the big things he dispels in that book is that everyone's told to like pursue their passion, you know, as if we have some pre-existing passion that we're supposed to follow. But what Cal talks about is that instead of pursuing your passion, instead you should develop rare and valuable skills. When you get really, really good at something, you develop confidence. And when you get confident at something, then you become passionate about it and it becomes your life work. So it's not passion that leads to success. It's success that leads to confidence, which then leads to passion. Uh, one other just, you know, at the fundamental level, a lot of people think your personality is what shapes your choices when really it's your choices that shape your personality. So like Western culture, the big problem in a lot of ways is that we're so focused on fixed traits and characteristics, personality tests and all these things. Cause in Western culture, we're like obsessed with that stuff. Um, whereas like Eastern medicine or Eastern philosophy, they're more focused on context and stuff that changes. They're way more open to, to nurture over nature and obviously, if anyone's an entrepreneur or seeking self-improvement, they better believe they can change. And uh, and the cool part is, is that the science is way more, you know, in line with that, you know, that you actually can obviously change your personality and that your personality is the product of your choices. So those are some of like, I would say some of the core problems of self-improvement is they focus on the self, willpower, mindset, all those things, rather than the fact that those things totally can change. And, and then actually asking the question, well, how do you change those things? I like to disagree with my guests whenever it's possible because I actually feel like it leads to a healthy conversation. But sadly, in this case, I'm going to have to agree with Benjamin here because I'm a huge Cal Newport fan and that book as well as his book, Deep Work, have had really huge impacts on my life. And I just can say it's so true with my trajectory. I mean, I never wanted to be like a DJ or a radio host or any of these things. I mean, podcasting wasn't even on my radar until all of a sudden it was. And then I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll become a host. It was no passion. It was no lifelong desire. I just wanted to talk to cool people. But then by doing it daily and by becoming successful at it, that bred the confidence. And that confidence bred the fact that I just became better at it. So I just kind of had that trajectory of like, okay, this is a good opportunity that will let me to talk to cool people. Let me do it. Okay, now I fell in love with podcasting after the fact, not before the fact, and I forced it to happen, but it was through that other direction. So think about that, Fire Nation. And Benjamin, as I was kind of thumbing through willpower doesn't work, you know, you talk about forcing functions and I'd love for you to kind of break down for Fire Nation what this is and how do you use them? So basically what willpower doesn't work just as a brief is all about is it's all about how environment shapes you. 
and about how you, the smartest choices you can make is by purposefully shaping your environment so that then you can become who you want to be. Uh, and a forcing function is an environmental constraint that forces you to act a certain way. The whole goal of a forcing function is actually like in software terms to eliminate the possibility of user error. So like certain programs won't let you do things because they don't want you to make stupid mistakes. Mm. So a forcing function is to create an environment that stops you from making stupid mistakes. Like a very easy example is like if you don't want to eat crap, just don't put food in your house. Like don't put don't put uh, like crappy food in your house. That's a forcing function. It forces you to function a certain way. Like if you want to be present, like let's just say if you're out to dinner, and you actually want to be fully engaged in the conversation, a forcing function would be just leaving your phone in the car or like leaving it at home. That forces you to like engage. Um, there's some other really simple examples. Like there's a, you know, let's just say you really want to focus for a few hours, like you're writing or you're doing work and you want to go to like a library. A good forcing function would be like to literally leave your power cable at home because then you know your, you know, your internet, I mean, your computer is going to die in a few hours. That forces you to like operate at a higher level. Um, then just the biggest one, the, the most important forcing function I think a person can do is invest physical dollars into something. Like, let's just say you actually want to be a podcaster. Like if you go and buy all the podcasts, like if you just go and buy like a microphone and all those things, you, uh, you experience what people call sunk cost bias, which is basically, you know, once you have ownership over something or once you're invested in it, it kind of forces you to commit. And, uh, Ramit said he, he does that like every year he invests a ton of money in a personal trainer and that forces him to like go to the gym so that he can make good on his investment. So it's all about kind of shaping the situation so that then you can rise up to that situation. So addictions are everywhere these days. I mean, people are addicted to their smartphone. They're addicted to YouTube. They're addicted to their desktop. They're addicted to, you know, fill in the blank. I mean, addictions are just everywhere. How do we overcome addictions in the 21st century? Is that even possible? For sure. I mean, you know, there's a really, I forget his name now off the top of my head. I wrote about it in an article and I'm sure it's even quoted in Willpower Doesn't Work, but uh, there's a quote that basically says that many people think that what the addict need is, what the addict needs is more willpower, but nothing can be further from the truth. So it's obviously not willpower. You can't like white knuckle your way to change. Um, what I've found obviously is there's a few things. What psychologists have basically what they say is that almost all behavior is outsourced to an environment. So like if you look at who, who you are, like most of, most of your behavior subconscious, it's mostly the product of the environments that you've created. And so for me, I try to put myself in, in certain types of environments that just make it easy to operate at the level I want to. Like I'm part of lots of mastermind groups, for example. And uh, when I'm in certain environments, like I don't need to be motivated. I don't need to force myself to be motivated. When I'm in certain environments, I don't need to like try not to eat junk food or try not to like, <laughs> you know, or try not to like drink alcohol or whatever my vice would be. Uh, so I think a couple a couple things are obviously you need to create and control your environment. That's what uh, Dr. Uh, Marshall Goldsmith said. He says, if we do not create and control our environment, our environment creates and controls us. So obviously, one, you need to shape the right environment. And then number two is you need to put yourself in situations that kind of force you to be who you want to be. And that, like I said before, I think that requires investing in both yourself and investing in relationships. One would be just investing in like for me, joining a mastermind group. Uh, specifically Genius Network about six months ago, and it was a $25,000 investment. 
that just totally like changed me. After I made that investment, all of a sudden I was writing a lot more. I was pursuing bigger goals. It's because I was surrounded by different people and I was adapting to a different environment. So I, I think obviously not having a growth, I mean, not having a fixed mindset, which is what Carol Dweck says, you know, they either have a growth mindset or a fixed mindset. I think a lot of people with addiction have a fixed mindset. And so if you believe you can change, then just shape the environment that will change you. So are you suggesting that I need to move because I live within a mile of a store that sells about 13 to 15 different Ben and Jerry's flavors and <laughs> it's just so easy around 7 p.m. to be like, you know, I'm about to sit down to an episode of Downton Abbey. A pint of Cherry Garcia in my lap right now would just really complete the circle. But if it was like 10 miles away, I mean, forget about it. That's like too far, but it's just so close. Well, so here's a question. Do you actually go get, do you actually go get that Ben and Jerry's yes, sometimes? I do. <laughs> That's funny. Help well, me. I mean, so one of the things you could do obviously is gamify your life. You know, I mean, you're someone who's super competitive, right? You know what super. I mean? And so obviously you would want to, I mean, one thing you could do is create a competition. You know what I mean? You could create a competition with someone or, in a, I mean, create some form of challenge where you'll have to be forced into accountability and punishments or, or rewards for behavior, you know. Um, but I mean, I think if you created a competition with someone. <laughs> that totally actually just worked because um, one of my good buddies in Vancouver, Josh Stanton of Screw the 9 to 5, we just started, actually, we shouldn't say, we just finished what was a 21-day detox. So we were very specific on checking in each, each day with, we would, um, we would text each other pictures and what our weight was of the, so of the scale too. And so over those 21 days, like when I was thinking, you know, in the evening, I'm like, well, I definitely want a pint of Ben and Jerry's, but I'm like, well, I got to take a picture of myself tomorrow morning and, you know, send my weight over and, and I want to win, you know, so I guess I got to stop doing that. So that definitely did work. Maybe I should just go on a 365 day challenge detox or something that could really be helpful. I mean, someone like you likes pursuing big goals. And uh, one of the problems with success is that it leads to kind of being comfortable and complacent. And uh, that's one challenge that everyone faces with success. And so I think, uh, I mean, you kind of have to go back to the beginner's mind where you're like pumped on like waking up early, you're motivated <laughs> on eating. You know what I mean? Like you have to go back to that when you decide you want to pursue big goals again. Right. You know what I mean? It's so easy to coast on former success. And then all sorts of like bad habits that you didn't use before, which got you to success, start to creep in. Fire Nation, obviously value bombs are being dropped. More are coming when we get back from thanking our sponsors. Design Crowd is a website that helps entrepreneurs like us crowdsource design projects quickly and easily. If you're looking for custom graphics, a new logo, or even a brand new web design, Design Crowd has you covered. All you have to do is post a brief describing the design you need. Then Design Crowd will invite its designers to respond. Within hours, you'll receive your first design. And over the course of three to 10 days, a typical project will receive 60 to 100 plus different designs. Finally, you then get to pick the best design and approve payment to to the designer. And if you don't find the design you like, no worries. Design Crowd has a money back guarantee and a support team that you can contact by phone or email 24-7 to help. Get started today. Visit designcrowd.com slash fire for a special $100 VIP offer for Fire Nation or simply enter the discount code FIRE when posting your next project on Design Crowd. That's D-E-S-I-G-N-C-R-O-W-D dot com slash fire. 
Ready to make a lasting change in your new year? If you're tired of corporate America and want to step into owning your own business, then the time to make a move is now. And why not make that move into franchising? Allow me to introduce you to Eric Van Horn, our guest right here on Entrepreneurs on Fire, episode 1902. Eric is a seasoned franchise owner. He loves franchises so much. He started a company called I Love Franchising. Recently, Eric Eric published an ebook called The Franchising Playbook, Seven Strategies to Find Freedom Through Franchise Ownership. Inside, he teaches the seven key factors of franchise success. He also shares his personal contact info in his ebook. So if after reading it, you have any questions about whether franchise ownership is right for you, just call him. Eric has personally helped over 1,000 people transition out of corporate America and into franchise ownership. And you can take your first step towards doing the same today. Visit ilovefranchising.com slash fire to download Eric's free ebook, The Franchising Playbook Today. That's ilovefranchising.com slash fire. So Benjamin, we're back and I love talking about the coolest singular thing. So let's talk about the coolest singular thing that you've learned over the course of your research about entrepreneurs. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's awesome, dude. Um, So, uh, I mean, it goes a lot into some of what I'm talking about. So during my whole PhD research, I've studied the difference between wannabe entrepreneurs versus actual entrepreneurs. Uh, I've interviewed tons of people. And uh, basically what I honed in on, and I research a lot of the same way that Brene Brown researches. I do qualitative research. And it's basically what that means is I interview people and then uh, I interview a ton of people and then I scan through the data and look look for themes and things like that. And uh, one of the big things I've found is that almost all of the actual entrepreneurs, people who have started companies, people who have actually gone forward and done it, have had some form of what I would call a point of no return experience. Whereas most of the non-entrepreneurs have not had that experience, but they want to have it. And that experience is pretty cool. I've learned what, what kind of, what are the characteristics of that experience? How do you create it? Um, and usually there's a shift in identity, you know, like usually you go from wanting to be an entrepreneur to actually seeing yourself as that thing. Like it's totally just who you are. Uh, you don't just, you know, and, uh, how do you get there? So like most of the people, I think most of the wannabe entrepreneurs are like waiting for that experience to happen to them. And that rarely happens. It's kind of like a, an addict trying to like wait for rock bottom to happen. Like, well, let me ask you this then. So maybe there are some people in the audience listening and saying, yeah, I kind of feel like that does um, define me. Unfortunately, how can we force this point of no return moment? Yeah. So that's pretty much exactly, you know, where I'm going to go with this is like, so one person I interviewed and I'm sure there was a few, but one sticks out it was an external thing that happened to him. So like it was his brother committing suicide. Obviously no one in the audience wants that to happen. But like when, when his brother committed suicide, he was like, Oh crap, life is short. I got to do this. Very few people though said that that was what they did usually. And it goes back to like the thing I've repeated a few times. It's usually when someone literally starts investing money in their company and in themselves. Like there was a 17 year old kid I interviewed and uh, he and his friend in high school, and they had started up multiple companies, but they wanted to start distributing and selling shoes. And they they put their money together, and they each invested ten thousand dollars into a shipment of shoes. And they and the kid said that his point of no return experience was literally when, when the you know the big semi truck 
came to his house and dropped off a mountain of shoes. And he realized <laughs> he like he, he he literally realized I can't go back. I must go forward. That's why I call it a point of no return. And he said in that moment, he realized his role and his identity changed. All of a sudden he was leading a company and he just kind of like jumped up and did that. And so I think the, you know, if someone really, really wants to start a company and they, or they just want to go from dreamer to doer, they need to start literally investing physical dollars into that thing. And the more you invest, the more you become committed, the more you commit, the more you're willing to actually become what that commitment requires. And so, you know, the more you start investing dollars into your goals and into your relationships, uh, that's how you shift your identity, cross your point of no return and become who you want to be. What's interesting, Benjamin and Fire Nation faithful will definitely uh, recognize where I'm going because they've heard it before, but I'll keep it brief is I was seeing over and over again during the worst entrepreneurial moments when I would ask for the turnaround points, a lot of my guests kind of brought up, you know, you know, it was, it was right around the time I had a baby or a baby or a baby. And I was just like, why are babies always seeming to have this, this turnaround factor? And it just made me realize that there was this thing called the baby effect where so many people were having this seminal moment. They were having babies. And all of a sudden, you know, Benjamin, these people were scared, you know, to make an outbound phone call, to like do a live video, to like host a webinar, to launch. They were scared of all these things. But guess what? It became scarier to not feed their baby, to not support their, their, their family than doing all those other things. So they stopped holding back and just started doing something and taking action because now they had this baby that was just like, you know, again, you would think the opposite. Like now there's like crying at night and you, you know, all your bandwidth is being taken up and this, but it was the opposite. And so Fire Nation, like I'm not saying go have a baby, just like he's not saying, you know, somebody's going to commit suicide that's going to have for your, you know, no point, point of no return, but just recognize that you can make your point of no return like that, that his example of the shoes being dropped off. Like what can that be that you can just say, you know what, I'm committing to this. The $25,000 investment by Benjamin was an example of that. So think about how you can make that point of no return without having to wait for some either incredibly sad or incredibly incredible moment like having a baby happen to you. So Benjamin, take this home in the last couple of minutes we have here. Why does Fire Nation need to read the book, Willpower Doesn't Work? Dude, that is a very generous question. Thank <laughs> you so much, my man. Uh, so obviously, if you want to be, you know, if you want to have something you don't have, you need to become someone you're not. I mean, you have to become someone who can have the life you want to have. And uh, I've spent the last 10 years, you know, studying self-improvement in psychology and as I've kind of mentioned at the beginning of this episode, I think that most, you know, most of the books leave people astray. There's a few books out there that, you know, totally quake people and stuff. Um, but I think that this book is kind of positioned to actually, to actually like deal the goods. Um, and I think the reason is, is because we do not focus enough on our environment in uh, Western culture. We're super focused on ourselves. We're very individualistic. And the truth is, is that you and your environment are two parts of the same whole. Who you are in one situation is very different than who you are in a different situation. And if you get really good at what I would call environmental design, not only do you make willpower irrelevant in your life, but you put yourself in a position where you can very quickly adapt, change, and evolve. Like just as an example, you know, over the last three years, I have 10 X my income each of the three years, less than, you know, less than two and a half years ago, I was making $12,000 an hour as a graduate student a year. Yeah. $12,000 a year. That's okay, Cause you said an hour. I was like, you should sorry, never sorry. have left that job. <laughs> no, no, sorry. My bad. My bad. Yeah. Thank you for that correction. Yeah. Graduate students don't get paid very much. I was getting paid like 
literally $12,000 yeah. a year. And then, uh, I, I mean, I was applying these principles, you know. So there's a quote by William Durant. He's one of the fa- most famous historians. He says that, you know, he believes that the, that the ability of any man could be doubled if the situation demanded it. Um, but most people's situations don't demand much of them. So there's the whole idea that necessity is the mother of invention. So you want to put yourself in a situation that literally creates necessity for you to do what you need to do. And as I've done that myself, I've gone from $12,000 you know, per year, not day, and gone, you know, <laughs> the next year I was making six figures, the next year I'm making seven figures. And uh, it's very nonlinear thinking. Most people, when they think of self-improvement, they think kind of like in Benjamin Franklin terms, like I've need, I need to like will my way to like become a little bit better at this thing this day and then this thing that day. It's like, no, if you change your environment, you can make quantum leaps. Like if you go from not being around millionaires to surrounding yourself with millionaires, you very quickly adapt to that. And uh, just a last, very, very last um, example is in the book, The Art of Learning, written by Joshua Waitskin. Probably, you know, a lot of the people who have listened to this podcast have read that book because yeah. it's heavily uh, recommended. Uh, Josh Waitskin talks about a concept he calls investing in failure. And he says when he was training to be in jujitsu, when given kind of like free time to go like just like practice, most people would surround themselves with people who are either either at their own skill level or either or slightly below their skill level. So like when just given free training time, most people, they do not train with people who are at a higher level than them. You know, they don't make themselves the dumbest person in the room, but that's what Joshua Waitzkin did. He always went and trained with people like three, four skill levels above him and got the crap kicked out of him. He, I mean, he called it investing in failure. But what happened was, is he was very quickly forced to adapt, to learn. Obviously his brain chemicals changed, you know, he, he had to like mimic and match what his opponents were doing. And that's how he became world-class very quickly at what he was doing was he put himself in demanding situations that forced him to grow. And when you do that, Basically, what psychologists would say is you outsourced your motivation and your high performance to your environment rather than putting all the pressure on yourself, which is basically the willpower approach. So that's it, man. Fire Nation, Benjamin is a kindred spirit. His mindset and my mindset totally align. So if you like what you've been hearing, go and get Willpower Doesn't Work. It's a great read. You're going to have some great takeaways that literally could change your life. So Benjamin, thank you, brother, for sharing your journey with Fire Nation today. For that, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side. JLD, you're the man, dude. I look up to you. Thank you for this time, man. Hey, Fire Nation. Hope you enjoyed our chat with Benjamin today. And wow, I got to be honest. Have you heard about my new podcast, Memoir? If you enjoy history at all, you'll love Memoir. I tell the life story of one historically significant individual who has changed the world in every single episode. Episode one is Alexander the Great, and it's almost two hours long, and I bring in voice actors and sound effects, and it's just so much fun and awesome. Uh, You can find this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. It's just called Memoir, or visit www.memoir.one. That's memoir.one. Memoir, audio biographies of the men and women who changed the world. Design Crowd is a website that helps entrepreneurs like us crowdsource design projects quickly and easily. If you're looking for custom graphics, a new logo, or even a brand new web design, Design Crowd has you covered. Visit designcrowd.com slash fire for a special $100 VIP offer for Fire Nation, or simply enter discount code FIRE when posting your next project on Design Crowd. That's D-E-S-I-G-N-C-R-O-W-D dot com slash fire.